And that was kind of a foundational thing for my identity and her identity. And those songs kind of still rattle around. And I've made them part of my story. As a teenager, I probably wanted to forget that. As a teenager, I wanted to fit in and be, be accepted. And we talk about that around here. That everybody's looking for acceptance, belonging, community, and a place to make a difference. And sometimes we feel like our identity is a block for that. In Scripture, we're going to talk about that today. But that doesn't, hasn't gone away because now I'm 40, 44, 44, almost 45. Identity is still a thing that we, we struggle with. In 93, 10 years later, so I'd have been Andy's age in 93, I was in high school, same time, driving. I probably didn't have my license for more than two days when I got my first traffic violation as I blew through a stop sign on the way coming downhill from the overpass by Terre Haute North. You know, you come down Fruit Ridge, you got the overpass, and they used to have that, it's now it's a stoplight, but it was a stop sign right there, and there's a police officer sitting on the other stop sign, and I was excited because I was, it was my first trip by myself. I was excited about the school program I was playing. I played the big, tall bass, and I was transporting that, and mom and dad's band, they let me drive it by myself, and whoosh, right through that stop sign as I was staring at that police officer on the other side of the stop sign. Formational, formative, burned into my memory. I bought this jacket because, and I wore this jacket because of identity and feeling like I need to, need to fit in and I need to match. And Andy always looks so sharp in his little jacket and his vest. And I got this vest here because, because Dave, I see Dave in his vest and he always looks so sharp in his vest. And, and, and we pick up these things that, that seem to work for people and we hope they work for me and that my identity is going to be that I'm going to be accepted and I'm going to belong and with the right jacket and the right vest. And, and there's a lot of pressure there. And I'm supposed to deliver a message. And I've been prayed for this morning by some very spiritually powerful women that, in a way that hasn't happened before. So I'm scared. I'm, I'm not joking. I'm scared. Because when the Lord wants to shape our identity, we don't necessarily know what that's going to look like. We don't know what He's going to call us to take off or to put on. When and where that's going to happen. Or if a mouser-sized move is going to pull out, pop out during a worship song. Because that's, you know, that was what that was what we did when we were kids, and those those previous <laughs> identities just come out sometimes. And now I'm embarrassed again. But I'm also enjoying TJ. He started how to read the Bible class last week. I didn't get to do that last couple times. This time I'm, I'm doing that. So that's in me right now this week as I prepare for this 
message that I'm going to, you know, Andy assigned my verses. He didn't even let me take, go on to verse 12 of Colossians. He told me to stop at verse, chapter 3, verse 11. I was like, I like verse 12 a lot better. And, and so I've got TJ's class rolling around in my head, and I'm reading the book, reading the book this week, and how to read the Bible for all it's worth, and wanting to make sure that I exegete, not eisegete, and and I have good hermeneutics, and and I want to be able to speak in a way that honors who the Lord is and who He's made me to be. So, we come to Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 through 11. And in the message, there's some taking off of clothes and putting on of clothes, and that could get really awkward really fast. Um, But this jacket is hot. I don't know how Andy does it. So I'm going to take it off. So do we have, uh, do we have that verse? Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old lie. Colossians chapter 3. My old life. Anybody struggle to be done with your old life? Sometimes we don't even realize, I think, how the old life is so deeply rooted in us. We've been living it so long. Been in church since I since I've been I've been in church since before this came out. And this was 1983, and it was probably the first thing I ever put my name on, because I spelled it wrong. Twice. On the front, had to scribble out my name, fix the letter on the back, had to scribble out the, got it wrong twice. Still can't spell very well. So our old identities keep creeping up. But Colossians chapter 3 says, don't lie to each other. That lying... That's, where, that's the opposite of who God is. God says, I am. Who, when Moses asked him, he said, who am I even talking to? Who do I even tell people that I'm talking to? And God says, I am that I am. If you know English very well, you know that another way to conjugate I am is he is. And that's what the truth is. It's what is. So as we put off the old self, that first thing, don't lie, we can't overlook that. You're done with that old life. You're aligning with the creator of the universe. He that is. And I like that jacket. But it is not what I wear on the regular. It's regular because I'm not thin anymore. I used to wear thin, but now I'm wearing a regular. But it's not my regular day. It's almost, almost not part of my identi real identity anymore. And I come to church and I sometimes struggle with, does the, the Sunday morning Jeremy need to look a certain way or act a certain way or wear certain clothes? Does the school Judah need to act different than the Friday afternoon at home on, in the summer Judah? Do we like that Judah just as much? We do. 
We like you, Judah. You make us laugh and you make us smile and we love you. Regardless of how dirty you are, or how fast you're running or driving your go-kart. And those, those identity things, we take them with us. But we align with the Lord who says, don't lie. Align with what is true. Align with me. Okay, that was just an extra note there. Seeing that you put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. This is where it talks about the clothes in the message. Filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. Seem like that's a pretty nice set of clothes, but it's not aligning with maybe who I am most of the time. Actually, I got my work clothes on underneath. This is what I wear every day. Every day I get up, drive to a place to work, take off the clothes that I put on and put on work clothes. And that can be my identity then. And I've been there long enough to know everybody's name and everybody knows my name and my acceptance and belonging and community and place to make a difference is very strong at work. Maybe even more than it is here. And I don't know if you feel that way about your job, where you go every day. But those identities start to swirl around. And it gets hard to know what, what is God calling me to do? And in that location, is it different than what he calls me to do here? Is it different than what I'm called to do at home? Am I a different person in all those places? Is that what, what I'm supposed to do is I put off the old self and put on the new self, that all of a sudden I'm no longer who I was, and all that is gone, and it's all just been a big waste of my life? Because that's a lie that I used to believe. That, the, that yesterday, the mistakes of yesterday, and the wrong directions of yesterday, and the failures of yesterday make all of yesterday a big waste of, I'm just a waste of air. Just a waste of space. That's what language can roll around in my head when I lie to myself. We come back to that. Don't lie to one another. Don't lie to yourself. Align with the Lord. Boy, it was a lot simpler when it was uh, the mouser-sized medley and the duck dance, and the Tweedledee and Tweedledum, and the keep on trying. That was a lot, a lot simpler. But we put off the new self. Put on the new self. What is that? Jesus really makes us uncomfortable in Matthew. In Matthew, he... Let's see, we got that Matthew chapter 5. Notes out here. As he pushes on people's identity with these, these phrases, like you have heard it said, you're, what you've grown up hearing, you're familiar with, and you have heard it said that you shall not murder. That makes me comfortable. Matthew chapter 5. You up there? But I tell you, Jesus helps us see what this new identity looks like. He says, 
But I tell you, anyone you're angry with, any, any who, one who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. That's a different, that's a different standard. That's not, that's my old, that's not my old way of thinking. As I am frustrated at work and I complain about my new boss and, and wait a minute, I'm not aligning with what this new self that Jesus is and, and now maybe I shouldn't be up here this morning. Maybe I shouldn't even talk about Jesus to the guys at work. Because it's not what it's not what I'm feeling. Jesus puts us puts us in this tension. He says in 27, he says, You've heard it said, and this was even harder, I think. You've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has committed adultery with her in his heart. This is the passage that the disciples are like, well, I better not get married then. Because if, if that's the standard, then I'm in trouble. And I, that's what Jesus is doing. He's saying we're, we're in trouble. We've got these things that we thought were really good and really good ideas. And we've heard it said and we've said it. And it builds us this little community of, we find people who have heard it said and say it. We group together. But Paul reminds us in Colossians, that that's the old way of life. And he throws out these identities that I, I struggled to understand. We go back to Colossians we see that he says that there are no longer Greek or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. And as my identity transforms from from a really happy kid to a teenager that was felt like he was uh, identityless. I, you know, I did the wrestling team thing. I did the class thing. I, nobody, nobody hated me, and I felt like nobody loved me. That's not true. I didn't feel like nobody loved me. But I didn't know where I fit. If you hear, heard this list, Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, do you feel like you fit? Is that describing you? I don't know that it does. So I had to look into these. I had to look into these. What, like a Scythian, what is that? Because another part of my identity right now is my, my Friday group, which has been really good. And we're... We're watching The Chosen. Jamie and I really love The Chosen, and it is really hot, so I am going to take this off. Be all the way into work mode. Now I don't even look the same. As a pastor, now I'm ready to come work on your, work on your house. 
the Scythians are mentioned in the map on the first page of the one of the first pages of this little chosen Bible study here. It's a little town called Scythia. Scythiopolis. The city of the Scythians. Well, that's confusing. Because Colossians was written to a church that was way far away from here. Up in Europe. And so, I'm confused. And if you read the Bible and you're confused, that's okay. Maybe come to, come to How to Read the Bible class. It's today at 4 o'clock. little shameless plug there. But it's helpful to understand these groups of people, they thought they had it right. When we read Jews and Greeks, the Greeks thought the Jews were silly. They had all sorts of rules. The Greeks conquered the whole world. They thought they were awesome. Alexander the Great, biggest biggest empire pretty much ever to exist. We don't think about that as we talk about reading the Bible. But Alexander the Great was before this period of time, and the Greek culture was spread all through Europe and all through the Promised Land and all through the known world. They thought they were amazing. Classic overthinker. I usually think what I think is the right thing. Maybe I'm a Greek. I think my way is the best. But the Jews, they had a rich, rich history too. They were waiting for the promised Messiah. Even after he came, they were some of them were still waiting. And they thought their way was the best. They had the temples. They had the history of the world back from the very beginning. The Jews thought their way was the best. And here Paul says there's neither Jew nor Greek. Two people he just told, you both think you got it right. Maybe those things that are part of your identity need to shed off and you need to take that part off. No Greek, no Jew. Circumcised or uncircumcised. Planned since childhood. Bo this morning was talking about that he thinks this is the first time his boy has missed church ever. Planned since childhood. I've had this plan. My brother is that guy. When he was like eight, he was going to be a dentist. He's a dentist. He has a plan. He follows the plan. He worked hard to make that plan be able to be possible. The Jews had the plan. God gave them the plan. The plan must be right. And they went down that road and they were so confident. I, I think, I don't know which is more awkward being told that you've heard it said anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality just should give her a certificate of divorce, but I tell you, anyone who does that, except for, except for uh, sexual immorality, causes her to commit adultery. And Jesus says, I'm, let me make you uncomfortable right now. Paul's saying, let me make you uncomfortable right now. You've had a plan. That plan has been your identity. And I'm 
I'm saying Jesus says that's, I don't care how good your plan is. Jew, Greek, circumcised, been planning it since birth, right? Because I don't know a lot of adult men who plan to get circumcised, but when, it's, when you're eight days old, it's okay. Barbarian and Scythian, and the Scythian word I was really confused about. Like a barbarian, I get, right? Somebody who just kind of does his own thing and it's wild and crazy. And what's a Scythian? A barbarian on steroids? I don't know. But a Scythian, so I, I spent some time, and I can pull up all my tabs if you're a tab lover. On your, you know, you've got your Google Chrome and you've got tabs all the way across your computer. Yeah, I, I think I can't tell, they can't even read them anymore. They've gotten so small because there's so many but I might need them again so I can't close them. Classic overthinker. My way must be the right way. I got somebody out there to agree with me, I can tell. Thanks, Mindy. Must be the right way. The Scythians were Europeans, most likely. Like Eastern Europeans. White folk who were warring and powerful and had some crazy things that they did. Like they would, before a battle, they would cut their hand and mix it with some water and drink some blood and be all pumped up to go to battle. And, and that was part of their identity. And their culture grew and spread. And the little town of Scythia near, near Capernaum, where Jesus would have visited when he went to the Decapolis, are people who moved down from Europe in a conquering attitude, and started a little town. That's where they settled. That was a few hundred years before Jesus. These guys thought their culture was awesome. They were conquerors and warriors, and we would make movies about them. I'm going to shout out to TJ again. He said, watch the movie Woman King. These warriors from Africa... Amazing culture of battle and honor. And they, they were amazing, no doubt. The Scythians were some powerful, amazing people in their mind. And that's what we do. Our team is the best team. And we have all the reasons. I've thought through this. I know my reasons and you can't over-argue me because I've overthought this. We see that today because as I go to work, you know what's going to be the conversation on Monday? Who got selected on Sunday? Right? Selection Sunday. Everybody know what that is? Anybody confused what's Selection Sunday? Selection Sunday is when we pick our NCAA brackets. Fill out the bracket. All the teams get selected. You're either in or you're out. If you didn't win the tournament, you're... You're hoping that you still get one of those spots and everybody's excited and their team is the best team and don't tell me otherwise until they lose. And then I still have a reason. And we think and we plan and we choose sides. And Paul tells us, slave-free Christ is all and in all. My challenge to you today is to be aware that everybody's kind of doing that. I go to work and I listen to guys who 
played baseball together in high school and they play golf and they're good at golf and they're into the same things and I feel excluded. And I've been there the longest. I drive by Joe's place that has grown and is well organized and looks great and we know that he works hard and I don't think I could do that. I couldn't run a business. Joe's more valuable than me because of that. I can't speak as well as Andy. Man, he is he is clever and funny and wise. I could never do that. Those feelings that you have, other people have those. Paul speaks to those. Don't lie to one another. What if that said pretend? What if it said pretend? That might be a better translation. Present something that isn't true. We walk in spaces carrying the identities of our past from mouser size when we were a kid to the silly mistakes that we made in high school. When I was in high school in physics class, there was an experiment with a thermometer. Anybody remember the high school thermometer experiments? Yeah, Arnie's got his hand back up there. Measure temperature, dew point, and all these crazy things with a thermometer. And they had this nice little wooden tray that the thermometer laid in so they wouldn't get broken. I was a good kid. I didn't get in detention. I didn't get in trouble. I made good grades. I broke the thermometer. I was playing with it. I wasn't even like doing something reasonable. I was like talking to somebody and I was wiggling the holder and the thermometer went flying and broke the tip off. Identity all of a sudden threatened. The good kid broke something in class. Nobody's going to believe I do it. It looks like you can't really tell it is broken. I'll just pick it up and put it back on the board and leave. That's the passing period. Nobody even knew that I broke the thermometer. Except me. Because then shame comes in, right? It's like, I'm going to have to go back to class, and I'm going to have to look at that teacher every day. And I had to share, Mrs. Seacrest, remember that thermometer that got broken a couple days ago? I did that. I wondered how that got broken, she said. Thank you for telling me. And it was over that easy. And that, I'm pulling that forward. That was not a, necessarily a decision in Jesus. That was the decision. I can't walk, live with this guilt anymore. I got to get rid of it. I better tell. I mean, it really wasn't a thought of Jesus would want me to share this. He would want me to confess. No, Jeremy wanted that off his chest because shame is how we try to pay for our own sin. And let it settle. let Jesus do that. But that is being drugged with me. Those exercise videos, those times in high school, the shoes that I'm wearing I bought when I was a youth pastor because they were cool at the time. And that was important, right? I brought that with me today. As, we, as you bring the old self forward and the new self comes on, as... Greek and Jew 
and free and slave, barbarian and Scythian move into Christ, as you move into Christ, those old self things might come up. We talk about a rescuer. We have a redeemer who takes those things and redeems them. And the talents that you developed when you weren't even thinking about Jesus, he's going to use into, into some new way. It's just the outer clothes that change. The end part, inside part of us, he is transforming. And this word, being renewed, which is being renewed, is like a renovation. A renovation of your life. And if you've watched renovation shows, you know there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes, but there's a whole bunch of stuff that stays around and that gets used and built on and turned into something amazing. And if you're you know, Chip and Joanna, you open the big picture and here's your new, here's your new place that's been renovated. My challenge is that all those things start to come up in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. Give grace to them and to you. At work, his name's Kevin. He is trying hard. He's the new guy. My confession is I don't give him the grace that I should, I should. And that eats at me. And then I feel guilty that I didn't give him the grace that Jesus has shown us. Because he says, do not break your oath. I say, do not swear. You've heard it said, eye for an eye, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Love your neighbor, but I tell you to love your enemies. Our enemy, a lot of times, we think is somebody who just has a different identity than us. Struggling in a different way. Jesus says we love those people. Regardless of what they're wearing, who their favorite team is, and we walk in grace towards one another. I'm going to cheat. Verse 13. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against each other, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. Couldn't do it. I could not, could not stay to verse 11. Because these identities that we walk through, these passions and gifts and mistakes and fears, we all have got those. Sometimes we pretend that they don't exist. We wish we could walk away from them. Instead, we let Jesus redeem them. We do that together with our conversations, with our touches, with our words of encouragement, with our time, and let those old identities 
be refreshed and renewed in Jesus. So thank you for this morning. Thank you for letting me experience the hot lights. Your identity has blessed me. The struggles and the, the stories that you bring into this space that I can participate in, whether it's Jenny telling me she's been here for since she was young. She's more than 10 years older than me. Bring life to me. Share your stories. And that's what I'm going to ask you to do for the rest of the time. We're out a little bit early. Make this a connect time. Don't leave for 10 minutes. Don't leave for 10 minutes. If you have to go, I get it. The restaurants will still be here in 20 minutes, okay? Don't leave for 10 minutes. You have a story and a journey and an identity that is being and has been shaped by Christ and by each other. Enjoy that time. Four minutes isn't enough. It never is. Don't leave for 10 minutes. Or play some music, walk around, say hello. Enjoy the identity that Christ is forming in you, knowing that he has redeemed your past and shaping it into something that maybe you, you can't imagine. I can't imagine. I, I didn't know I was going to wear my name on my shirt almost every day. And I come here and do it on Sunday too. So we trust the Lord in those journeys. As he makes us, makes us new. Thank you, Jesus, for making us new. Thank you for letting a... Let me laugh at my wife. Do a mouser size move. Or thank you for providing me a job that I can learn and laugh and enjoy my father. Thank you for a church that challenges both my what I thought I knew and gives me a place to become new. Father, thank you that you are patient with that journey. That you said, yeah, without you, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to please you. But you give us faith. And your son makes all things possible. Father, thank you for dying in our place, for redeeming my shame. And for the privilege it is to extend that redemption to others. I thank you for the stories in this room. Let them pour out of us. Stories of grace to one another. Of hope 
you are in all. The rest is just a conversation.